Welcome to Manipulating the Masses. It's Caitlin and I, and we're joined by a special guest today, the MNP content director, someone who has to deal with us on a daily basis. Uh, Nicole, listen, how are you doing, Nicole? Welcome. Welcome. Hi, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. I feel like there should have been like some sort of applause machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like a laugh track. Yeah, we, we uh -huh. can work that in uh -huh. post. We'll work that in post. Well, um, Nicole, I'm here. We're talking about the rise and fall of the influencer. And uh, I'm excited to get your insights on this because uh, it's part of your job. You do this it every day. <laughs> so uh, I'm very excited. But before we get started, before we get into the nitty gritty of your background and the story, I do have a fun question to just ask everybody. Yeah, I was asked this last week and I just thought it was a very thought provoking question. Okay. Uh, if you could bring back one extinct animal, an animal that's been extinct, if you could bring back, yep, I see Caitlin going to the depths of her mind trying to find some extinct animals, which one would it be? One extinct animal. It can be Man. all the way back to dinosaurs, all the way back to, you know, it doesn't have to be a niche or a recently extinct one. What would you bring back? That is a great question. I know. My mind goes to the dinosaurs, obviously, because when I think of extinct, it's just like synonymous with the dinosaurs. Um, so in that vein, um, maybe the pterodactyl. Oh, you want to like live your life in fear of like being swooped away. Do you think it would hunt me? I think it would probably hunt me. I'm only five feet tall, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think you're not off the list, you know, like I think you're you're on the menu somewhere, you know, I, I think I've just never seen something that big in the sky that would beyond be awesome. an airplane. Um, that would be awesome. That's and then my one. next thought was the is it called the Megalodon or like the mega Megalodon? The Megalodon. Mm. I hate the ocean. I can't stand the ocean. I won't go anywhere near the ocean, which is why I feel safe having the Megalodon in the ocean. Yeah. And I just am so interested because it's so much bigger than the great white shark, which is yeah terrifies me it absolutely terrifies me it's huge and i'm the so. same with the ocean in the topic of being Ooh. on the menu my theory is like i get nervous because like on land we're like near the top of the food pyramid you know mm. like not mm. not much shit is gonna fuck with us in mm. the ocean we're middle at mm. best yeah <laughs> at best we're and i don't even middle. know what's in the deep ocean like yep. there's things floating to the top where they're like we didn't know this animal existed <laughs> yep. No, thank you. The giant squid, right? Like it was only found like maybe 20 years ago. Like, nope, 20. nope, 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 nope. All right, Nicole, we, we vamped for you. What do you got? What do you got? I think that one animal is obviously goes back to dinosaurs as well. Um, but for me, it's the, it's the T-Rex. Like yeah. I know, I know that's like so cliche, but at the same time though, it's the tiny arms. It's the tiny arms. <laughs> And I just really want to see the tiny arms. You want to see it in person. I want to see it in person. And that's what it all comes back to. It's just this little tiny. Do you guys think that as humans, we would capture the dinosaurs and put them in a zoo? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah so 100%. We would have a T-Rex in the zoo. 
Yeah, we put in the effort to dig them up out of the ground. We're like, they're chilling in the ground. We're like, yeah, we're going to like dig out this stuff and put them up there. I, yeah, put them in a zoo 100%. You are both like willing to be prey. You know, yeah. like you're like, I want to bring back something that can threaten my existence, which is interesting. You women, know? Like, women are already prey. That's <laughs> true. This isn't new. It doesn't change your not it doesn't, doesn't change, change your life. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Mine, and this is what prompted the conversation, is a woolly mammoth because they recently made a woolly mammoth meatball. Did you read about this? Yeah, I they used something. Yeah, they used DNA. Article. Yeah, they used DNA from a woolly mammoth, and like uh, it grew like meat in a lab. And it's for this promotion of like rather than harvesting animals, we can yeah. do lab-grown meat. You know, it's like kind of scientific slash promotional. But uh-huh. it's this big meatball of woolly mammoth, and there's gonna be some billionaire out there that's like, yeah, I'll pay you so much money to just eat a woolly mammoth meatball um yeah that would be my they seem very cool i will say woolly mammoth was on my list as well but i feel like it was too similar to the elephant in my opinion so i was like Mm. "Eh, i've kind of already seen an ancestor of a woolly mammoth (laughs) so never seen an ancestor of a of a dinosaur that's fair of a pterodactyl all good points all good points points. all right well with that Welcome to Manipulating the Masses. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Intro, intro, intro. All right, so um, before we get started, Nicole, I do want to give our listeners a little background on you. You've been working with us for a while, um, but uh, I don't even know if I knew this question prepping it up, but uh, how did you get started in marketing? What was your like first role in the marketing industry? So it's kind of funny because I've had kind of a journey, I guess you can say, in the sense that I started back in 2014. Um, I actually started Foodlog called The Young, Broken, Hungry. And back in 2014, that was really like the golden era, golden era of, of blogs. And so I started that and I didn't expect anything to happen from it, but then it just kind of snowballed and it opened all these doors I didn't expect. Um, I ended up becoming a food critic for a small newspaper from that. And then I ended up getting into PR and marketing from that. So that's kind of, that was kind of the birth of how I got into marketing. Nicole, we share the same story. I always say that my career started with a blog too. Yeah. It just like teaches you how to write. It teaches you how to market yourself. And then you have to, and I know you got into photography too. Mm -hmm. I got into photography through my blog. So you just like, a blog is your own little business. It is. Yeah. You wear so many hats by starting a blog. I could not agree more. And man, does that tie into our discussion perfectly today. Oh, well done. So, and Nicole's um, like our own little influencer too. She she writes romance novels, and she has a TikTok. And sometimes she goes viral for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> I do. 
Uh, yeah, we can touch on that story another time, but I think let's leave the reader, the listeners in mystery there, right? Um, so uh, if you weren't working in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, I would probably be writing novels. I mean, that's what I did for a while. I've written like seven romance novels. Um, I think that's probably what I go back to. I've always wanted to be a writer, and which is why it fits so perfectly that I'm the content director at MP because um, it allows me to flex those creative muscles. Love that. I mean, you're talking to two English majors here. Caitlin and I have referenced that many times. Yeah. Um, I, I do think like there is a, a sense of like learning how to write if we're on the topic of blogging is such a fundamental piece of any role but it can just translate to marketing so well right like knowing how to write succinctly so i do think that's a good foundation anybody looking to break into the industry you know yeah and i think it was interesting too because i didn't go to college for writing i was a liberal arts major and i always say i think that actually helped me that i didn't go to college for writing because i kind of formed my own process and it allowed me to be more creative and find my voice and i feel like if i went to college for it I wouldn't have been able to find the voice that I have now. Mm. I love that. I love that. Um, So uh, back to your role as a content director, you know, that covers a lot of things and and content is king. We hear that all the time in marketing. So um, in this piece of content, how do you see your role fitting into the broader strategy of any brand's digital marketing efforts? Like, how do you see... Yeah, your piece fitting into this. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, the content is so broad. You know, it, it touches so many different aspects of marketing. Um, and here in my role at MP, you know, I do PR, I do copywriting for websites, I do basically, I touch every little piece. And I think that's that's how content fits in. You know, like writing is such a huge piece to it, and it allows for you to build SEO. It allows you to get backlinks. It allows allows so many opportunities to open. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and Caitlin, I think you always put it, and I don't want to step on your toes, but you put it really well a lot of times when we're talking to clients is is our role as an agency on the content end, drawing out what business owners, just kind of their feelings, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> Do you want me to how, say it for you on your yeah, behalf? Yeah, 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 please. I, I didn't want to am... say it exactly how you say it, you know, like. I think when I am talking to clients, I I always mention that it's our responsibility to just get their voice and translate it into marketing language, whether that's visual language, whether that's uh, actual actual written content. Um, You know, the the marketing taglines live within clients and the voice lives within clients. And it's our job to just ask the right questions to extract that. I love that. Yeah. You say it so much better than I do. That's why I say a lot of things better than you, but Uh, many, is that for another podcast? Man, you're coming at me this morning, you know? I know. I'm I'm sorry. I am. I'm like, am am I on a hunt? Yeah. I'm on a manhunt. I apologize. I'll take a step back. Okay. (laughs) I was like, you're just coming. You're just firing at all cylinders this Friday morning. That's it. That's what it is. A lot of things have happened this week that didn't leave me in a great mindset to do this podcast. So, mm. I'm just on the receiving. I'll drink my cold glass. I'll 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 drink my cold glass of water. Reset, and you guys, (laughs) you guys take it away. 
Um, okay, and then uh, so I have two more questions for you, Nicole. Um, so, as in the social end, since we're talking about influencers today, I think content's a broader discussion, but really on the social end, um, what's like the biz- biggest mistake you see businesses make on social media? Do you have one that sticks out? Yeah, I think just not being authentic. And I think it always comes down to that. I see a lot of brands just going into social media thinking that they're going to immediately be viral, you know, and that's, it's actually a lot harder than you think to go viral. It's not just putting a few keywords and saying a few things and getting on that trend. It's really about being authentic to the brand and telling a story and a message. And so, yeah, Caitlin, I know that you want to jump in. Go, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No, you mentioned it's not that, it's not that easy to go viral, but also it's not that great to go viral. Yes. Because then you just have to kind of repeat that success. And a lot of people come to your page looking for that same type of content that you went viral on. And it could be something so stupid, like a meme. And you're like, okay, I know you're here to see memes, but we actually have a lot of other goodies to share with you and then people leave yeah and also like once you go viral you open that door for so much criticism and so many trolls and so you're just having to deal with people being like just picking apart your brand being like what is this Mm -hmm. this sucks the blah 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 and you have to be prepared for it it's not it's not easy oh my gosh i don't want to take up too much of this space no go ahead but i wanted to mention the funniest viral meme that we had um well go viral and it was uh for a client and it was um a consulting client and it was a meme about ants um and it was something silly like something so silly but it had four million views and then all of a sudden people started coming in the comments and talking about how this meme is actually detrimental to ants because it's called a death circle and they're going to march around in this circle until they die. And so the fact that we were making light of this was actually really (laughs) detrimental to ants. And it's like, who knew there were so, so many ant supporters out there. I mean, I love to see it. (laughs) And the ant educators who knew they were out there. But there is a troll for everything out there. And oh, yeah. you just got to make light of the situation. I, yeah, I don't know. I agree completely. So, I mean, in that sense, like we've, we've talked about a lot of the downsides of social media, even going viral. What's the benefit? Why? Why should a brand continue to be on social media then? Yeah. I mean, I think a brand should be on social media because it allows their message to be heard and it allows them to reach a wider audience than they would just through a website. Um, and it allows them to have fun and to tell their story in a really, like I said, I keep going back to this word, but authentic way. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, it's funny because when I started back in 2014, like this was just starting, you know, this whole social media gig, like social media as a job was just starting. So it's a relatively new industry. And I think what people have to keep in mind is that nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> like nobody knows what they're doing. This is such a new industry. You know what I mean? And it's constantly changing. In order yeah. to stay up to date with that, you have to be constantly changing. I completely agree. My biggest thing is also it's such a low level of entry for a brand. It's a free mm-hmm. profile. You don't have to. I mean, for all of these major platforms, it's zero cost to you to have a profile, right? Like there, and it's an opportunity to get in front of people. This is where the people are. It's free to join. 
get in there, you know, yeah. start playing the game, right? Like you never know what, what might <clears throat> come of it. Um, okay. And then last one before we get into the story is um, what do you see, Nicole, as the next step? I think it's interesting. You said it's always changing. Is there anything on the precipice right now that we should be looking out for? What's the future of social media marketing for brands? Yeah, I think that, you know, just TikTok, for example, just rolled out the fact that SEO is going to be their huge um, push that's coming here and keyword strategy. And I think a lot Mm. of social media networks in order to kind of build it more as like a brand network, you know, like a business, um, they're going to be pushing out more strategies that focus on that. So like SEO and SEO strategy. Yeah, I, I see what they're doing there. I mean, in um, for my SEO brain and search brain, uh, YouTube is the second biggest search engine mm-hmm. right behind Google. And that is technically a social network, right? Yeah. So uh, integrating those features makes sense. Um, but I, I do think like, I don't know how many people are going to be searching specific things on social media. I don't know if that's the right move. For me, it's like people just go on their feed and scroll. Social media is a place for people to turn off their brains, right? Yep. I get I get frustrated because we see a lot of uh, data on mass in social media, huge metrics, huge numbers of data of usage. And I'm always, I talk to you guys about it. And I'm like the lowest common denominator always wins, right? Like it always wins on social media. The stupidest thing always does the best. And is that in- indicative of our society? I don't know, but it is, maybe social media is just a place to scroll turn off your brain, just intake content, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I'm getting philosophical too early in the morning for you guys. Do you have any thoughts on that before we get into our story? Any last resounding words? No. Let's do it, guys. All right. So in that vein, let's talk about the foundation of social media, the influencer, uh, the, uh, the people that, post and have followings and live their life to the fullest hashtag influencer life um so i i think i'd like to kick this off with a question caitlin let's start to you uh because this is a nice segue from from our background we gave on what nicole does um it's a pretty simple question are are influencers still relevant today in a marketing strategy are they still relevant today we know they had a time where it was a major push is it still relevant today Mm. it's so hard to give you a definitive answer i go back and forth yeah do you you like i think yes overall yes yes um i think that it's a lot more strategic than it used to be. Mm. And let me give somewhat of a hypothetical scenario. So back in the day, you give something to, let's say the OG influencer, Kim Kardashian, you give a product to Kim Kardashian and she puts it on her channel and there would be an influx of purchases of that product. Mm. Now, again, hypothetically, 10 years later, 
you give that same product to Kim Kardashian and she puts it on her channel and users are starting to identify that this is a paid promotion. This isn't authentic. Going back to Nicole's word, authentic. Um, yeah. and, and this is, this doesn't feel genuine to me. Does Kim Kardashian really genuinely use this product? Does she like it? Is it incorporated into her daily routine? Absolutely not. Yeah. They're, they're paying her a lot of money to promote this. Um, and so it, there's a lot more strategy involved rather than just saying, this is a product. I really like it. I use it in my daily routine uh, yeah. and then expect people to buy it. Now, let me give another scenario in which I find it to be a little bit more authentic is if you catch Kim Kardashian, a paparazzi walking down the street and she is wearing said product or she is holding the product in her hand and it's clearly a paparazzi shot where you know she is actually using this in her daily routine or whatever it is um mm -hmm. that is a lot more authentic to me and that makes me want to go buy it um however can i just throw one last scenario in here <laughs> yes uh kendall jenner was uh celebrities not overall influencers, but celebrities who are influencers are uh, actually using this as a as a strategy. So Kendall Jenner was a Pepsi ambassador. Yeah. Um, and we all remember she, the commercial. Mm -hmm. We all remember mm -hmm. the commercial. But do you remember the photograph where she's walking into a bodega in the middle of New York and she buys a Pepsi and it's uh, their new flavor of like orange vanilla or something. Mm. And she has this cute little orange dress on and, you know, she looks like Kendall Jenner. If you're walking into a bodega, if you're Kendall Jenner, you're with, a, you know, you're, you have a hat on, you have sunglasses on, you're trying not to get noticed. Yeah. But this girl clearly dressed for the paparazzi, mm. walked into a bodega, the only thing she bought was a vanilla orange Pepsi and it matched her cute little outfit yeah. and you know boom we have an entire advertisement right there now yeah. I do think it was strategic people are like you know we kind of see you we kind of know what you're doing but I also don't hate it versus yeah. if she just like popped on her social media feed had the Pepsi in hand was like buy this Pepsi I love Pepsi you know yeah. I'm not buying a Pepsi um, so I gave you three scenarios of which I think influencers are still effective, yet they need to be more strategic. Yeah, the, the typical what we think of like someone like kissing a can in a picture is gone. Right. Or yeah. like promoting the hair gummies or whatever it is. You oh, know? yeah. Like that yeah. Stuff's, Down with the hair gummies. Gone. That stuff's gone. Yeah. Nicole, <laughs> do you have any takes on that? Do you have anything? Any yeah. Thoughts? Is it? Yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna actually agree with Caitlin. Is that like? Thank you. It's, it's funny because um, the paparazzi are, are actually a piece in the strategy game now for influencers, Definitely. especially celebrities. And so it's not as authentic as you think it is. But at the same time, though, like I think that when it comes to influencers, I think micro influencers is the future because micro influencers are the ones that are going to get the most engagement, the most impressions, because they actually have an audience that. Um, listens to them and trust them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they're not getting paid as much or, as anything. <laughs> or anything at all. Yeah. And yeah. they genuinely have to put, you know, so, some 
authenticity behind the product. Um, but you bring up a good point, like different levels of influencers. Mm -hmm. Um, there's obviously the celebrity influencer, there's the macro influencer, which has like, you know, millions of followers, but you're not really Kim Kardashian. Um, and then you have the micro influencer. Then there's something in between there, of course, but, um, and the wannabe influencer. Sure. There's the wannabe influencer too. And, um, so I think the micro influencer to your point, people trust their judgment a lot more, but at the same time, they're not, I don't feel like they're totally effective either. I, I, let me use an example. Like if I had a friend, if I had a girlfriend and she maybe has 3000 to 5,000 followers, right? That would be considered a micro influencer. And she comes on here and all of a sudden she's saying like, Oh my God, I love this new skincare product. When before that her posts were all about skiing and hiking. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, I'm not going to engage with this because this is not your normal content. But it is, it it does speak to the niching down of content, right? What these micro influencers are doing for the Ah, most part is having very specific content that they talk about. And then whether that be fitness or beauty or, you know, we can, there's a million different categorizations of that, but they post regularly about it and then they attract those specific brands. So it's not just a general influencer that has Pepsi and Amazon and, you know, all of these different brands coming at them. They're very much industry focused. So, which I think leads, this is why brands are moving to micro influencers because they have a very specific audience. They've cultivated, um, people that are interested in whatever niche their, their content dials into. Um, can I give another example to you guys? And I want to get your feedback on this. So, um, you know, hiking influencers were a lot of people I followed back in the day. Um, they'd post beautiful pictures, very curated, like stunning feed back when that was a thing. You had to curate a stunning feed. (laughs) Um, and then all of a sudden, like they would be posting about almonds, um, and how almonds are a great snack to go on a hike with. So, and it was like diamond almonds. You guys know the brand. Yeah. Um, and so a their big dill company, pickle ones are awesome. Yeah. They're blue. They're dill pickle almonds. Great. Go take Shout note out. of that. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a micro influencer. They, they, oh yes. Yes. Know, I got to promote. Here is the bag. Can you Photoshop that into my hand? <laughs> yes, I will. Um, but I, I guess my question to you is like, all of a sudden I'm seeing that they're posting and it's very obvious, like they're great photographers. So all of a sudden almonds are just sitting next to their bag. And it's like, that's the focal point of the photograph. And to me, like that doesn't feel genuine to me, even though it is niche content, it makes sense. They, you do pack almonds on a hike. It makes everything makes sense, but it just didn't feel like I wanted to engage with that post. Mm. Do you guys have any feelings on that? I mean, okay. No opinions on Almond Gate 2023. I didn't <laughs> want to jump in. We're, we're interviewing Nicole. I'm with you. Go ahead, Nicole. Yeah, you have thoughts? I was going to say, like, I, I hear you and I, I get it. And I think that maybe for them, it'd probably better if they, like, repped a brand that was more like workout gear or anything like that. But I think that, like, the era you were talking about was right when people started recognizing the fact that this is the, this is the more of a brand, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily like a person anymore. And I think Mm. 
I think it was it was the time and era of like that cusp, you know. So, I don't oh know. my god, you just brought up a really good point: influencers turning into brands. Yeah, yeah. the rise yeah. of the phrase "personal brand," right? Yeah. Like I'm working on my brand is mm-hmm. something that people. Yep, I completely agree with yeah. that. And then it becomes yeah. kind of inauthentic. You're not following the yeah. person; you're following their brand. Yeah, the brand. I think yeah. that's a really good point, Nicole. One influencer okay. I've actually been following a lot, just real quick, is um, Morgan Loves Coffee. Which I, it's, it's, she's a coffee influencer. And she's like 23, 24. She's won a bunch of barista competitions. I don't drink mm. coffee, but I follow her because she's so genuine and, and authentic. I keep going back to that yeah. word, but she's just so, like, pleasing to watch. <laughs> like, she's just, like, a nice, like, happy break in my day. And mm. it's just, like, and I think influencer kind of going towards more that you know it's just like being like having really good energy and just showing up and i don't know just be a nice break and maybe being a coffee influencer that is so 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 niche it is that she can really only you know experiment with a couple of brands or not mm-hmm. brands but a couple of things like coffee yeah. maybe like different machines maybe exactly. drips um, and so you know that maybe she can be like, hey, I'm just testing this out. Here's my review of it or something like that. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would like to, I think it's important to, because you've mentioned the word authentic and we get a lot of feedback from clients that says we want to post authentic content. Yeah. Right. So I think it's worth a quick exploration of what that really means. I would think what's what to you both of you is the difference between authentic content and unique content right so you can do something is is that are they synonymous and when someone says authentic content is it really just hey something that nobody's done before do you see people hopping on trends as authentic content or is it what i guess let's just define like what 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 does that really mean like yeah. Do you have any thoughts, or is it kind of like this? That's the secret sauce of so of social media, is defining your own version of authentic. I don't think I don't think authentic is like jumping on a trend. I think authentic is showing up as the person that you are, maybe in real life, but um, exaggerated version of it. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. So um, it's inauthentic, but it comes off as authentic yeah exactly um i think that like when we're talking about like morgan loves coffee i think she seems authentic to me because i know all the products that she reps she actually uses so i know that she's not just pulling it out of thin air she actually uses these products she's tasted these products she knows what she's talking about um so yeah i don't know i think i I don't want to say it goes back to vibes but it kind of goes back to vibes it's like the person shows up like do they have a good vibe about them? Can I trust them? And and I know all like intangible, right? It's I know all kind of intangible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the key, though. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is I think everybody asks for that, but nobody knows how to really truly deliver it. I agree. Right. Um, well, I think it's different when we talk about brands, social media, and when we talk about personal social yes. media. But yeah. influencers are the are the the middle ground, right? It's they a personal are the middle page ground. Yes. that's operating as a personal brand, right? Yes. So I'm with you there. I'm with you. Maybe it's something to explore. If you guys have any thoughts, please let us know. Yeah. Hit us up. Give us the secret sauce. 
Um, but let's keep going with the story. So I think this has been great discussion so far. I do want to know as far as influencer marketing goes in the future, uh, social publi, uh, which is a, like a social media marketing research company, um, noted, put out a 2020 report that said 93% of marketers use influencers as a piece of their strategy, 93%. And then, uh, another 63 percent plan to increase their influencer influencer budget in the future so over half are planning to increase it and almost everybody nine out of ten uh marketers use influencer marketing as well so it's a big big piece of the strategy can you either of you guess the first recorded use of influencer marketing and if you get this I am quitting, leaving, moving out the country. Come on, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I walked right into that one. That wasn't even you, Nick Caitlin. I walked right into that one. The, fir- <laughs> the first recorded use of influencer marketing. Um, can you give us a hint, like maybe a date? Or is it that predates? Cheating? It predates the internet. I, will, I ah. will direct you that it predates the internet. Oh, I wasn't even close. Yeah, um, okay, that's it predates the internet, this. which predates all of our lives. Yeah, but... it predates the Civil War. It predates... Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. Civil War. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like silent films right now for some reason. Nope. Good try. You yeah. said... Can you ask the question again, Alex? The first <laughs> recorded... The first recorded use of influencer marketing with influencer in, in, in quotes. Okay. Because uh, it wasn't called that at the time, but it's the same tactic that we use today. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. I'm so out there. Okay. So pre-Civil War, let me just get my dates right. Uh, let me actually – actually, it's pre – pre-america so pre-american independence oh my god so i keep drawing it back i'm keep i'm closing the window for you guys to yeah. make it a little Is easier it pre-pangea <laughs> yeah the pterodactyls actually were very prominent influencers in their time um, um okay so pre-america so 1776 was when we signed the Declaration of Independence. There you go. There you go. I know. Um, just a bit before that. Just like a decade before that. I'm lost. No All fucking right. idea. No clue. No, I No re- idea? Recorded. And that's the, that's the tricky part because when I think recorded, I think, okay, well, it has to be documented. It's documented. Uh, in oh, writing, yeah. I guess? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They could write back in the day, yes. I mean, the Declaration of Independence was, was written somehow, some way. They put words that's... on paper. But, uh, yeah, it was written. I'm lost. Nicole, you got any shots? Any shots? No, go for it. It was um, the first use of the tactic in the 1760s was uh, implemented by two people, Pope Clement XIII and uh, Queen Charlotte of England. uh, And they publicly placed their seal on medicines. So they would Mm -hmm. publicly use medicines and place their seal of approval on medicines to encourage the common people to use it so there was less skepticism about the use of medicine so people would be healthy in the future um yeah which i found pretty fascinating right like that was the first use like they would publicly get 
you know, um, whatever it is with the needles, injected, inoculated, whatever that word is. Um, Okay. And I know that one was a trick question. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's, let's bring it up to the, to our modern interpretation of influencer marketing. What we're going to broaden it out. So what general type, and we are familiar with this term, what we use it frequently, but what general type of influencer was the first, let's call it modern influencer. This does predate social media. Right. So it does. It's just before social media takes off, but they are in the same vein as influencer. It is a common term that, in fact, Caitlin, we have used many times on this podcast. You're making me feel Uh, bad for not knowing it. No, I'm not making I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help. Okay, so this is a term, a term. (laughs) And they are credited with being the first uh, influencers in the sense that they produced content and brands would pay to be included in their content. Singular person doing producing content, brands pay to be included in their content. Do you want me to whittle it down more? Any ideas? Yeah. No. Uh, we actually talked about it earlier in this podcast. It's the form of blogging. Any specific type of bloggers. Food bloggers? No. Closer? A blogger. Is that the term? Blogger. There is a specific type of blogger. A specific type of blogger. Redditor. No. Good term. Yeah, you're a little colder, but no. <laughs> cold. You got nothing? No thoughts? No thoughts? A specific type of blogger. As soon as blogger. I say it, you guys are going to be like, oh. A troll. No. A writer. What brands <laughs> would what what brands would pay to be on a troll's website? No. A troll? <laughs> I'm just enjoying watching Caitlin just throw <laughs> yeah, out her. Yeah, I feel like free it. to chime I in like here. <laughs> no ideas? No ideas. No. Mommy bloggers. Mommy bloggers are the first real really? people, yes, that uh, brands would pay to be on their site. So uh, in the early, you know, late 2010s, early 2010s, predating really social media, um, these mommy bloggers would get a large following. They'd get a ton of people engaging with their content. They'd get massive amounts of traffic to their website. And they were just originally just writing like the wins and trials and airs of parenting. Uh, mm-hmm. And they began to, brands began seeing that these mommy bloggers had a big influence on the type of baby products they would buy, on the type of toys they would get their kids. So um, brands quit quickly found their influence, pun intended, over the mommy mommy market. So they uh, began paying these bloggers for payments, uh, for placement in their upcoming blog post to write a review of their toy or their baby product. Does that surprise you at all? Recapping, you're saying that the first... uh, uh, Modern. Modern influencer was the mommy blogger. Correct. Correct. Huh. That so is interesting because my, in my thinking, like when I think of the first influencer, I think makeup influencer. Yeah. And yeah. I think like YouTube. Yeah. Predates YouTube really. Too. But I guess blogs did predate YouTube. <clears throat> yep. And mommy blogs were a thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm just kind of the wheels are. It makes yeah, sense in my head. Yeah. It yeah. makes sense in my head. 
Um, but that does, Caitlin, lead me to my next question. Is, uh, is there a type of influencer that, uh, two parts, is there a type of influencer that you feel you, you resonate with personally? Um, or is, and then on top of that, let's, let's layer in, we do a lot of data analysis on this stuff. Is there like a specific generation you feel that is more susceptible or more impacted by influencer marketing than other generations? So let's start with yourself. Yeah. Is there is there any you mentioned beauty makeup marketing is that the is that the influencer that you feel like really resonates with you like you follow their advice? No, um, I uh, follow skincare. Mm. I think it's my age, like I'm in my thirties, and so I'm less occupied on makeup and like covering everything up and more interested in like taking care of myself. Um, and, but I, it's hard because now TikTok is a thing and it's more like I am so susceptible to the internet and (laughs) doing what I do for a living. I trust the internet way too much, way more than I should, way more than I should. So anytime (laughs) something comes across my feed, I take it as Bible. I'm like, Oh, she puts, uh, snail mucin on her skin. Absolutely. I'm going to Ulta right now and buying snail mucin. I have no documentation on whether this works or not, but it's a Korean beauty scam <laughs> probably. And, uh, that's the latest thing on my TikTok is Korean beauty. Oh, um, okay. and so th- it's less about like influencing and more about like, Hey, this is my routine and I'm picking up little tidbits from people's routines along the way and kind of testing them out in my own kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and I did use air quotes. So you guys know, I don't do it in the kitchen, but I test it out in my own bathroom, um, mm-hmm. and figure out what works for me, but I am buying products that come across my feed that other people are like, Hey, this is what I incorporate into my routine. So that is what I am susceptible to. Yeah. But I do think you touched on a good strategy for influencer marketing. It's like, I think a lot of people that, that follow that are looking for like the latest and greatest, right? Like they're looking for the next thing. And that's where I think influencer marketing falls in is like, Mm -hmm. this is the new thing this is the new Korean, whatever the new trend is. Like everybody wants to jump on that. Right. And if I can just say too, I think skincare, um, resonates with me because you can see if they have good skin on video, mm-hmm. um, because you can all on like TikTok, filter, you can see right? if they're using, you can see if they're using a filter. Oh, gotcha. Um, I mean, they, there is the beauty filter, which kind of blurs your skin a little bit, but for the most part, um, you know, you can kind of see the proof is in the pudding. If Mm. Kendall Jenner comes on, I use her again and says, I drink Pepsi all the time. It's like, there's no proof Mm. of that. I don't know if you drink Pepsi all the time to stay awake or whatever. Yeah. That's Mm. why I'm susceptible to skin talk. Mm, Skin talk. They have a name for it. Jesus. Okay. Nicole, what do you, what do you, what about you? Any type of influencer that you're, uh, um, I go back and forth on this, but I've recently got really into like spiritual talk, like manifestation, like that kind of thing. And I think the reason why I've gotten into it is because you can see the fact that it's worked. Obviously you can't, it it could be all bullshit, you know, but a lot of times these women are like, you know, live in the penthouses, make tons of money, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. 
-hmm. who knows if they actually do they might just just rent it on airbnb for the day and take those mm -hmm. videos <laughs> but but at the same time though like i just find it fascinating from like a psychology standpoint like how you can change like the neural mapping in your brain and things like that yeah. i find that fascinating so hmm. yeah interesting okay that's a that's a niche one as well and i think it, it speaks to like hey we're all just kind of finding our niche um influencers right yeah zach um, what influencer what how do you what do you get influenced by i literally tried to think of this while writing it because i knew i was gonna ask that question like my my feed is like sports and like i don't know there's not like there's not like sports influencers you know like I, i'm not really i don't I, I, I'm okay kind of i'll use I'm my sure, husband. i'm not saying i don't fall for it but i am saying like i don't I don't really see it as a prevalent part of my mm. feed, you know, like I'll use my husband as an example. Are you a golfer? Yeah. 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 Okay. So he follows golf on his feeds and it's usually like golfing techniques and maybe there's some sort of, I'm going to call it a toy. Cause I don't know what else it is. Club. There's some sort of, yeah, a club. <laughs> there's some sort of practice toy that might improve your swing right is that the point of golf totally. you're always trying to improve your swing absolutely yes okay yes, yes. so would you be susceptible to that type of content if you saw a pro golfer using some sort of toy um would you go out and buy that toy no i just i don't i'm i no i just wouldn't be like i because like i mean this specific thing with golf is like i don't take it very seriously i'm out there to drink and have fun um, gotcha. i'm not like trying to lower my score i will say okay gotcha. so thinking about this and you put it in my head with the golf is like maybe the biggest influence i have is just like almost like a blend of you two where i'm i'm starting to get into like I'm getting a lot of house, like big house tours in my feed, like, mm -hmm. and I'm at that age as well. So maybe it's like that manifestation influencing of like, yeah, like this would be awesome when I get yeah. a house, like having this in here, or like this locate, like I would say maybe that's the closest I get, um, which is a little manifestation, a little like ideas and influencing mm. of like, oh, I like this, how they laid out this part of the house. Ah, so kind of like a Pinteresting situation. A little bit, a little bit, mm. without saving it, just kind of like, oh, that's cool. You know, I mm. would love a game You logged room. it in your yeah, head. Yeah, I just logged it in there. Yeah, okay, so, so that, that's when you, when you buy a house, we'll, we'll have this conversation all over again, because I feel like you might be susceptible to, you know, different um, DIY projects. Oh, yeah. 100%. I okay. think I will be like, I'll be all about it. You know, like I will be looped in on that. Okay. Stuff. Okay. Good to um, know. Yeah. Good, it's, good, it's a, it's a rabbit friend. hole though. Jesus. Those DIYs, because I follow those too. And I rent, but like in December, like I was painting every wall in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the point about social media is there's this niching down of content because everything can be a rabbit hole. Coffee can be a rabbit I know. hole, right? Like, and you just find a little rabbit hole that you nestle into and you follow the influencers in there. Um, okay. Well, I, you know, I, we've been chatting for a while. I have a bunch of other questions, but I do want to cut it cause we're getting kind of close. Um, 
I do want to go over one other report that I found on influencer marketing, and it is the top 10 influencers for 2023, put out by Hootsuite, which is a big social media company. Um, I want to see if you guys, because this speaks to the niching down of content. Um, I pulled the top 10 of these people. I vaguely knew one, and I knew I, I like knew what, uh, another one well. Um, but the other ones, I had no idea. And this speaks to the niching of content. Like we work in this and I had no idea these people were like massive influencers on this. Mm -hmm. So real quick, I'm going to run through these and I want you to just quickly say, I know of them. I'm familiar or I have no idea who these people are. Right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Number 10 on the list. Mr. Beast. Yep. No. Yep. I know who that is. You, uh, what, what is their... Are you going to say their field? Yeah, yeah. So they are um, YouTube mainly is their channel. All of these are across all platforms, but really this is where they got their start was on YouTube. Um, They call him entertainment and philanthropy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he does like videos where he like gives people cars and like money and just like hands it out and people watch. And he's got 22.7 million followers. Um, so that is, yeah, yeah. And that's the lowest number on this list. He's also a big Uh, thing of, uh, ghost kitchens. He started his own like brands and stuff. Ghost kitchens. Yep. What is that? So basically he like rents out a kitchen and like produces like hamburgers and stuff in different cities. So like like, his brand name's on it. Yeah. It's like a philanthropy, like a little self-indulgent philanthropy in my opinion, but um, when I looked at his stuff, but philanthropy, entertainment, whatever you want to call it. But all of these people have branched out and started, again, fashion lines, acting, singing, whatever. Like they're not solely influencers anymore. Oh, Um, is Joanna Gaines on this list? (laughs) No, she's not. Nope. She's not even in the top 10. Maybe she's not an influencer. Okay. Okay. That's your your niche. Um, Amanda Amanda Cerny. No. Oh, um, is she a comedian? She is. Comedy. It's got her start on Vine. Um, 23.3 million followers. Amanda. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Zach King. Yes. He is a video editor, right? Correct. Uh, they call him magic. He's like digital sleight of hand is what they call him. Um, on YouTube, 24.6 million followers. Damn. Okay. We're, we're three for three right now on at least one of us knowing this person. All right. Uh, Cameron Dallas. No, (laughs) no, no. Uh, comedy got his start on vine, uh, 25.1 million followers. Uh, coming in at number six, uh, summer Ray. I thought you'd know this one, Caitlin. Because Summer she's fashion? Ray. Question mark. Fitness? Fashion? Ooh, no, I don't follow fitness. Nope. 26.3 million followers. Uh, Chiara Ferragni? Yeah. Italian model fashion. Done. There yeah. you go. Next. Done. Done. Uh, I knew you'd know that one. 28.4 million. Uh, this is the one that I vaguely knew. Uh, Charlie D'Amelio. D'Amelio? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I vaguely knew of that one. What TikTok, number is she? Number four. God. 
uh, 28.4 million followers. Now, this is where we take a leap up because these next three uh, have over 50 million. Let me um, guess. Addison 20. Ray. Nope. Not on the list. What? Because yeah, she has no. way more followers than Charlie D'Amalio, but maybe. She might not be doing the influencer game anymore or yeah. might not be like the up and coming. This is like looking to 2023, like the ones that mm-hmm. are going to be impactful this year. Oh, right? shit. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Lily Palms yes. is her name. Number three, coming in at number three. She, comedian... Goddard start on Vine also. Yep. Yep. 50.5 million followers. Basically, I mean, I looked at her feed. I was curious. It's it's thirst trapping with a little funniness <laughs> thrown in. Um, now, this one is is a different because it's a, a mix of the of two, a, a brand and a person. They're kind of synonymous with each other on their channels. But uh, Huda Beauty, is that how you say it? H-U-D-A? Huda Beauty? I think it's Huda or Huda. No, it's Huda. Huda. Yeah, I think you said it right. Huda Beauty, yeah. YouTube, beauty influencer, 5.51, uh, 51.9 million followers. Yeah, Slide like in. you said, <clears throat> this is a great example of a beauty influencer turning into a brand. Because yeah. I know the brand much better than I know the influencer. Exactly. Exactly. And same with like something like Charlotte Tilbury. Anyways, now I'm getting into the beauty game, but so I'm surprised that she's still up there. Yeah. And still going to make an impact apparently. So number one was the only one I was familiar with, but I don't think you two would be familiar with him. And this is where I think, uh, this is where I found it interesting. You might know him. You might know him. Um, Cobby Lane. Kabi no. Lane, K-H-A-B-Y no. Lane, neither of you. That's why I didn't think, because he is like the closest to the, a sports influencer, mm. right? He does like comedy videos, but he's very involved with like, he has athletes on his feed all the time, you know? Um, and I'm a big soccer fan. He's like big and they, like he has videos with Messi and of Ronaldo and all of those big soccer players. But you might know his videos. He's like the guy that just like does... You know, like the the puts his arms. Oh, that guy. That guy. You know who I'm talking about? Who like makes fun of other people like doing TikTok videos and he's just like does it simply. That's the guy. Yep, Caitlin still has no idea. Cobby Lane. Look him up. Um, Is he black? He is. Yes, he is. I believe he's from Africa. I might know him then. Yes. I did not peg him as a sports influencer. Yeah, he's, he's just bad. very active and in, in like collaborating with sports people mm-hmm. and athletes. Um, so and, that's why. Okay, I yeah, I think I do know who you're talking about if I'm thinking of the right person. But okay, yeah. okay, comes in at the top 80 million followers, 80 oh. million, which is uh, far outnumbers everybody else on the list. So we're almost at time, almost at the hour mark. We've learned a lot. We we've talked about their we named this the rise and fall of the influencer, but I would think based on our discussion, it's the rise and shift of the influencer because the I rise think these, and the stagnation of the influencer. Yeah. Well, I think it's just changing because now there's more influencers, right? It yep. used to be this rise because they were a select group of people. Um, and now it's just broadened its scope to micro wannabe macro, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so 
I want to end on kind of a, a, a philosophical question about influencer marketing. Um, and we've alluded to it a few times in this discussion, but I think the, the biggest issue that a lot of people have with influencer marketing is it does blur the line between advertisement and content, right? We've talked yeah. about authentic content i think that's what it is is if it's not authentic it's clearly an ad it's less impactful than if it is authentic but where that line really is between advertisement and natural authentic living your life promotion uh has become very blurred so uh, what dilemmas as a consumer do you think this influencer marketing tactic brings when deciding what to buy, what products to buy, what to use, what dilemma, if any, do you think influence marketing brings to the consumer? I think probably probably like just consumerism culture, like just buying to buy. And I don't mm. think that's necessary anymore. I mean, I've bet, definitely fallen in that trap where I've like bought things and be like, why, why? <laughs> I yeah. think that there's also something you didn't touch on. Maybe we can continue this. There is a massive movement called de-influencing. Yep. And, and literally what it sounds like. Um, people are making non-aesthetic videos saying, hey, I don't have an aesthetic house. I don't have a skincare routine. I'm not trying to make you buy anything in this video. Whereas like for so long, mm. it's been like, we need to paint this really beautiful picture of our lives. Um, and so de-influencing, although now influencers are capitalizing on this de-influencing yep. trend. Um, and I'll bring one per one example into light. Her name's I didn't know her before this, her but I think it's like fuck. Danny. I think her name's like Danny Allen or something. Okay, okay. Maybe I'll I'll look it up and put it in the notes. But um, she is an influencer, and she wants to trademark the word de-influencing, and to make money off of this word de-influencing, she created a podcast called De-influencing as an influencer, and she is. She's uh, in the picture of the podcast. She has like this bushel of products in her hand. And so what this movement is actually turning into is like, don't buy this, buy this instead. Don't uh. buy top of the line, buy Johnson and Johnson. It's the same thing. And uh. so the, even the messaging of de-influencing is getting really, really misconstrued. But I do love that the movement is out there. And um, I think there's a couple of strong influencers in the scene that are working to de-influence this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want to put that out there because there is this movement and I'd be interested to see how it's picking up steam. It hasn't been around for so long. I mean, I'd say a couple months, but. For me, my, my gut reaction of that is, is I just think the word influencer has become toxic in some degrees. Like I agree. people roll their eyes. So yes. it's just a rebranding of the same shit. 
Like it's just saying, oh, now it's a de influencer, and now it, now you're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like now I'll listen. So it's just it's 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 just a rebranding. It's just call it, yeah. the the name has become. It's like people advertising became like a toxic term, so people started calling it marketing, right? Yeah. Like it's the same yeah. fucking thing. It's just <laughs> it under a new name, so people don't have that visceral like reaction. Oh, that's really interesting. And let me just give you a scenario. Like there is uh, someone I follow who's like old, like really sustainable. You know, she makes her own fragrances out of cinnamon (laughs) and like uses, makes her own like makeup wipes out of olive oil, like some bullshit like that. Um, But anyway, she's been a big part of this de-influencing trend, but she has hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok. So I'd be interested because now that you're saying that, I'd be interested to see like, oh yeah, I make my own makeup wipes. Here's the olive oil brand that I use. Yeah. And boom, it becomes influencing all over again. Yep. Yep. I, I but I, so this, the reason that I bring this up is just because Nicole is like, yeah, we live in a consumerism society. Like we're not getting away from being consumers. That no. is how our economy withstands itself yeah um but the dilemma you asked go back to your original question is that your dog yeah Yeah, he's whining oh my god i thought they were like like wheels needed to be greased outside or something (laughs) that's what it sounds like (laughs) um what was your original question before I got on a tangent? Uh, just what's the dilemma for a consumer? So like, let's just mm. say like you see a D influencer, right? And you're like watching them. Like, is there is there a moral dilemma that these or a moral responsibility that these influencers have to their consumers? Like, or is it just kind of we know the game, take it or leave it? You know? Can uh, I give you another example? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to really cut this one down. You're good. You're good. Okay. Nicole, um, I don't know if you, you probably know. It's called Mascara Gate of 2023. And this really well-known makeup influencer, her name's Michaela. I don't know her last name. Anyways, she was testing out a lore, um, some kind of generic drugstore brand mascara. So it was like L'Oreal or it was Maybelline. I think it was Maybelline. Mm-hmm. And anyways, she was, she was putting an applying makeup on or her mascara on. And then all of a sudden the camera cuts and she was like, Oh, and it cuts to a different angle. So you can see the length. And it was very clear that she put false eyelashes on. Oh no. And she was like, oh, my God, look at the length of this. And everyone started trolling her. And the girl did not make an apology. She did not form a response. She was just like, got my money. I'm moving on. Like, did not care about the moral responsibility of an influencer to sell products. Mm-hmm. Um and L'Oreal, I, or maybe it was Maybelline, I'm sorry, don't quote me on the brand, but this brand didn't come out and make a statement. Like everybody just moved on with their day. The people who were getting money just moved on with their day. But meanwhile, the internet was like asking for a response. Like we need an answer to Mascara Gate 2023. Uh, and she was like, no, I don't need, I don't need to give you an answer. And she continues to put out videos and she continues to just move on with her day. 
So it was really, really interesting because as soon as you realize that that was her outlook, it was like, yeah, the girl got her money and just moved on. So no, there is no moral responsibility as influencers. Um, but there should be just as there is with advertising, you know, we have a responsibility to consumers. We are held to a certain standard, but influencers are not held to that same standard and they need to be in the bucket of marketing and advertising. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I agree. Maybe some, I mean, maybe they've rolled out laws saying they have to specify when a post is an ad and they've been paid for it. Hashtag ad. Right. Um, but maybe, I mean, businesses can, can, and there, lawsuits I mean, just as an example, there were makeup artists who are, are like do the makeup for commercials like Maybelline. And they were like, it is a ret, like big no, no in the industry to put on fake eyelashes when you're mm-hmm. doing a Maybelline commercial. Like it's absolutely against the law, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yet influencers can do that. It's insane. Yep. Yeah, I, so, I agree. I agree. Just I another example. I think that's what I was trying to get at was rolling into, I think, if you're going to call yourself a personal brand, you have to yeah. abide by the same marketing standards, regulations that yeah. a brand has to. Yep. I completely, it's not the wild west anymore. Yeah. Um, Nicole, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. And I just think it's so weird that we're talking about people as a brand. Like I just mm. like... You know, yeah. like it's so weird that like you can just, well, I don't know, make make money off you. Of your name. Yeah. <laughs> your name. yeah. Joanna well, Gaines. If the, if the U.S. government considers corporations people, why not people corporations? You know, yeah. like it maybe works both ways. So I know. Um, with that, thank culture. you. S- it is. Thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate your insight yeah. and your time. Um, we will definitely be having you back. Uh, and not just because we're your boss and saying you need to be here. I hope you're willing to come back, Nicole. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, we will be back next week. If you like the show, be sure to follow. Follow us everywhere, all the socials, blah, blah, blah. I feel dirty saying that now after talking influencers for an hour, but this is the name of the game. So um, any last words? We good? Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. No problem. All right. Bye. Bye.